Peter Manor. I did. The first thing I want to say is that I meant to change that bit at the end, the end of the intro. It's still very farmery and piratey. So maybe for the next episode, we'll look at that. I'm still smiling. <laughs> it makes it unique. Yeah. Um, right, let's crack on. So welcome to the very first ever episode of Tet Manor podcast. Andy, you're probably going to be better off saying that in the future going forward with your Yorkshire yeah. brethren accent. Uh, well, well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Yorkshire born and bred, but I can practice. <laughs> I think there's a need for a disclaimer that for those outside of Yorkshire, there'll be not, there'll be no minimal Yorkshire accents in this, yeah. in case anyone's scared. That is a good point to make. Um, so we're aiming to run this pod every two weeks, where we'll be rambling about the goings on around our beloved Oxford United. Um, so who is on today's show? You've got me. I am James. Hello. We've got Andy. Hi. We've got John. Hello. And we've got Ben. Hello. And it's worth saying as well, we are collectively virgins of the podcast game. Um, Thanks for that. I'd get that in there, just so people don't judge us too quickly. We're obviously going to be improving as the weeks go on, you would have hoped. Um, In terms of, for a bit of background, um, the four of us have all met through United and we're part of the Yorkshire Yellow Supporters Group, which we set up. Last year, I had to check that out because I couldn't remember when we actually started, but I saw the WhatsApp group kicked off in December. I think, Andy, you set it up. Yeah, um, I set it up. It, it was one of those. I think a few of us had been, I know me and John had been to a couple of games, watched a, a couple of the televised games in Leeds. And it just, I know there was, a, there was a list set up on Twitter. I don't actually know what lists are, but <laughs> there was a list and we, we all seemed to be in this list. So I thought, yeah, just for ease of, you said set up a WhatsApp group and yeah. I think tw- 25 people or around 25 people later, it's going strong. So it's spiled. It's really, really powerful group come together so quickly. Yeah. And we first met up at Burton. Well, a big group of us anyway, met up at Burton away last year. That's where the flag made its debut. And I think it's fair to say if you've got a flag and you've got a WhatsApp group, that means you are kind of in the official, you know, that's both the boxes ticked to get a legit official supporters group in place. So, what a flag it is as well it is a great flag it is a great flag works Um, well on a podcast yeah it's worth saying we're part of obviously a huge network of exiled oxford fans across the uk and the globe in general um and this pod is basically about trying to give something back to that community so that's pretty much why we set it up if people don't like it at least we're probably going to have fun doing it and it means that our other halves and children and such don't have to listen to us chatting about oxford united and we can talk to each other instead so it will serve a purpose one way or another um right chap should we talk about what's on today's show yeah let's um, do it to be honest this has been a complete an absolute spicy week for us um and we've had an ever-changing agenda we've been trying to be organized and come up with like a template for an episode but as every day things are seemingly changing it's been really a real challenge to do so so even a few days ago and someone just made this point on our whatsapp group a few days ago robinson was resigning and we couldn't sign anyone um, <laughs> and now today we're post that radio oxford interview and things are seeming rosy and everyone's buzzing i'd like i'd like to point out though that that rumor was literally that a rumor that robinson was going to retire i think he was just from the interview retire. he gave after <laughs> well retire or resign you say tomato or tomato um yeah but after the solihull 
interview i think he would he did seem pretty deflated and i think you could probably put two and two together and and, and say that he, he was probably ready to do something yeah um so we'll talk a bit about pre-season we won't dwell too much on that because there's as i said there's lots of spicy stuff to talk about later on uh, we'll look at the squad we'll talk about transfer dealings and i did put in brackets here or lack of because when i originally wrote this there was not much going on um, we'll obviously go in. It's been a bit difficult because that Radio Oxford interview was about an hour ago. Um, so we've tried to wrangle some notes together about the key messages from that and we'll go through those. Uh, we're going to go over to Andy into fact or stat corner. Uh, we're going to come up with a better name for that, aren't we, Andy? Yeah, we'll have to think about that. We'll, we'll call it Andy Dent's trivia corner today but going forward well i think we come up with a better name than that you're saying a high, high bar with that surname andy but you it's yeah. your it's your name <laughs> <laughs> um we'll obviously talk about sunderland away there's a big big opening day fixture for us on saturday and then i've got a surprise for the guys in the form of a game or a quiz or a quaim or whatever we want to call it um they generally don't know what it is about. In hindsight, as well, I was looking at it earlier on. I talked to my missus about it, and I was like, oh, that would be good. And she was like, do you know what? That sounds so boring. And I was like, okay. But we're going to try it now because it's too late to do anything else. And it's at the end of the episode, so if people want to you know, zone out or something, they can feel free to do so. Got high expectations yeah. for this, though. I'm expecting something yeah. magical. There is, as you know, there's really epic kind of background quiz music that will be there. So... That's at least, you know, there's that. I'll make it um, more. Yeah. As it's the first episode, guys, let's start with some proper intros. We won't be doing this every week for people that are turning us off right away. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's try and keep it brief, but kind of what's your name, where are you from, in true Silla fashion, why are you an Oxford <laughs> fan, what's your first Oxford game, favourite player, memorable moment, pick any of them and just go mental. Ben, go on, you start. Okay. Well, as James says, my name's Ben. Uh, I was born in Aylesbury but uh, spent most of the time up in the north, first in County Durham and then in Leeds for the last decade. Uh, I'm an Oxford fan because all the mum's side of the family were. Uh, granddad, mum, auntie, season ticket holders at the manor took me along and been a fan ever since. Uh, first game was a friendly against West Ham in, I think, 95 or 96. I can't quite remember. Uh, we won, so I think that's probably why I kept going back. <laughs> Favourite player uh, growing up was Joey Beecham. He's just the ultimate winger in my eyes. And uh, got a photo of me on an open day wearing gladiator tracksuit bottoms, posing with Joey Beecham. Nice. Are you embracing him? Yes. Emotionally. And physically. And physically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most memorable moment? Um, it's a tough one. Just in the last five, ten years of away games we've been to, but... I think for me, it's, it's got to be the, the conference playoff final. Just that release of emotion at the end yeah. of the game, such a stressful second half, and it, it could have been make or break for the club. It's just such a big win, and seeing the players go crazy and wilder, sliding on the floor, just uh, made it all worthwhile. <laughs> all the all the bad times, suddenly you realise why you like football. Yeah, for sure. John. So I said, my name's John. I'm a John Radcliffe baby, if such a thing exists. Um, well, it does, literally. Um, I grew up outside Abingdon and then moved up to Leeds about 15 years ago. I was a bit of a late starter to, um, to Oxford United with my parents and family having zero interest in, in football. But uh, I got into it because a friend joined the school I was going to, lived on Sandfield Road, which was just off Beach Road, if any of you can remember that. So he 
he dragged me along to a game in the, the Beach Road Terrace and then we moved on to the London Road and was sort of in love ever since, so to speak. Um, so my first game was 99 versus Notts County, which we lost, I think, 2-1. Favourite player, Powley and Beecham were the ones that I can remember getting, getting me off my feet. I had a soft spot for Dave Savage, who was during the Atkins era. I don't really know why, but there was something about him. <laughs> um, best technical player that I always look back to was um, Juan Pablo Raponi during the Diaz era. I mean, absolute brilliant, but far too good for the team he, he was playing in. Um, memorable moment. I mean, I think we've had some absolute classic moments, as, as Ben's already alluded to, on, on the away games that we've been going to for, for many years. I mean, my memorable moment is, is probably a bit of a silly one. It's not really one you go to really in some ways, but... During that that Diaz era, and it was one the only time I've had a, had a season ticket. Um, his first game, he started with five strikers going forward and just Barry Quinn in defensive midfield, and it was the most nuts game I can remember watching at the time. We won two one. It was when Craig Davies burst onto the scene. Jamie Brooks was come flying along as well, and it was just absolutely crazy. And I just remember thinking that was just that was fun and that was what football is about. We were all like Ramon Diaz, what on earth is what on earth has happened here? So it's it's a it's a not a, a sort of a, a heartstring memorable moment. It's more of just a that was just that was a bit batshit. So that's me. <laughs> awesome, Andy. Ah oh, well, I've got a lot to live up to in my uh, intro now after John's. <laughs> it sounds like he's rehearsed his. I haven't done anything on mine. <laughs> um, I'm just going to chuck in a disclaimer there as well uh, and say this podcast will probably have swearing in. So. Um, I had to mark that when I set up the the thing. You have to tick a box. Yeah, no, I just hold off. So it's yeah, fine. exactly. So there, I've done, I've done the, I've done the formalities. Um, yeah, no. So um, Andy Wilmer, I'm Andy Wilmer. Um, was born in Oxford, obviously. Grew up. Well, I say grew up. Spent the first sort of few years of my life in Kennington. Um, then moved up to a place called Washington, just outside of Sunderland. Um, in about '86. Obviously, I live in Selby now, in uh, in North Yorkshire. Um, why am I an Oxford fan? I don't know. I guess it's just one of those. It's the keeping your roots loyal thing. Obviously, when at school, everybody supported Newcastle or Sunderland or Middlesbrough. And I guess I just wanted to be different. I didn't want to follow the mainstream. Um, first OUFC game, I think, again, I was a bit of a late start again to games. I think I thought it was a, a game against Hartlepool at the, the Manor, but... Doing some digging, it wasn't. It was uh, Ipswich in the 98-99 season. I think we drew 3-3. Favourite player, obviously, of my era. There's there's so many throughout the history of Oxford, but I think during my time or my era of of supporting Oxford, it's got to be Bino, James Constable. Um, He's just one of those players. His loyalty isn't very present in football anymore, and he he showed a lot of loyalty when he was with us. Um, He scored... A shitful of goals. Um, and you like Bino, don't you? Andy? I do. I love Bino. I love Bino, and do I've you? got I've got no shame in saying that I'd have him back. And I don't mean that in the sense of him starting regularly and being the first choice in the starting eleven. But I still think he'd do the business, even at the age he is. Even just coming on for fifteen minutes, it's. I think he'd still score. He knows whether he knows how to score. He knows where the back of the net is, and he loves the club. But anyway. That's that. That's what. That's that's my favourite player. Most memorable moment. Um, it's got to be the um, the playoff final. But yeah. the caveat to that is I wasn't at it. 
believe it or not. I was what in Kenya. You, what were you doing? I was in Kenya. I, I know. I was in Kenya. Um, I was in the army at the time. I, I'd spent sort of 13 years in the army. And I, we were in Kenya. Um, we were on a construction um, tour in Kenya. And um, we were sharing the camp with um, some Kenyan engineers. And they had they had Sky, believe it or not. Um, but it um it didn't have i can't remember what channel it was on or something like sky sky sports um something sky sports something which is the one channel they didn't have um so i uh i was laid on a, a camp cot i can't remember what time it was, I think it was early hours of the morning just getting text updates from my wife and uh Nobody could understand why I was like getting so excited in the middle of the night. I dreaded to think what they think I was up to, but um, yeah, that was my most memorable moment, and I think it's probably is quite a lot of people. So, yeah, that's me. Absolutely nice. Nice. I'll finish up then. So I'm James Robinson. I'm from I was another. I'm another JR baby. Um, I grew up actually on the last house of the Banbury Road that looks over Water Eaton. Um, it did used to look over a big kind of grain silo, but they knocked it down built a train station that's obviously where they were proposing to build the stadium at one point which was quite exciting for me even though my family don't live there anymore um why am i not i sorry i didn't say where i live now i live in york now i was in leeds for 10 years um went up there for uni now i live in york still work in leeds but haven't gone down south since really um in terms of why i'm an oxford fan my dad was actually a chelsea supporter um but he used to take me to the manor as a kid and obviously similar to Andy, you know, you stick true to your roots. I had a lot of mates that were Oxford fans as well, um, and I've stuck with it as I've gone up. If anything, there was a period, and it probably was around the Diaz time, where I was a bit more disengaged. I went through like a bit of an emo phase and dressed like Kurt Cobain and just got a bit disengaged with football for a period of time. But I got completely back into it in probably like 2007 or eight onwards or something. So, um in terms of my first Oxford game, it was, I had to look it up because I knew we battered someone and it was in the 96, 97 season. And my dad had gone to the QPR away game, which was the opening day. And then we played Southend at home and we won 5-0, which was great. So I just thought that was how Oxford games went going forward, which was awesome. So <laughs> how wrong Beach, you were. <laughs> Beecham scored two, Jemson scored two. And um, is it David Rush? I think it was David yeah, Rush yeah. scored another one. Um my favourite player had to be Joey Beecham. Um, although I had a soft spot being a Robinson for, you know, Les at right back. Good um, old Les. And good old Les. And at one point they donated, Oxford donated a load of shirts to Charwell, which was my school I went to. And um, I managed to pick up Les's shirt, match worn. He had those nationwide um, things on the <laughs> sleeves. It was very exciting. I don't think I was meant to keep it, but I kept it and I've still got it to this day. Um most memorable moment, probably have to say playoff finals up there. But that season, the promotion season from League Two, there was just so many that year. We went to a load of away games that season. And um, the ones that stand out are like Carlisle and uh, Notts County was incredible as well. And I remember yeah, mounting that, that, the... That was uh, what's the chap called? Um, with dreadlocks, he's a very nice bloke. Gary? I think he's called Gary. Uh, yeah, Gary, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, he's Dave. Dave Clark's mate, isn't That's he? It. Um, I just remember being getting a piggyback from him when we scored our fourth goal because we were two one down and John Stead <laughs> put them two one up or something, and we were just battering them and just not getting anything for it. And then we just had those three goals in pretty quick succession. It was just incredible. Didn't, so didn't end up loads of games. Fifteen floors further down than when we started, just being dragged by yeah. people celebrating. Oh, it was just 
fantastic. I just want more moments like that. Hopefully we get some of those this season. So I think Car- Carlisle um, in the season we went up needs a notable mention as well for the limbs. Uh, yeah. hot, hot dogs, beer <laughs> and limbs. And limbs. <laughs> hot dogs and limbs there's a book in there somewhere or a movie even oh, they did have um, there was a film crew at the Kazam today wasn't there was there you see that no you know, yeah did you not see that oh, I was on Twitter I thought they'd, they'd moved into I think it must have been the overflow car park and there was a film crew moved in there's all sorts of like movie uh, movie um, anecdotes going on oh there you go happy days um, right it's time guys it's time to try one of our new interludes as we go on to talk a bit about preseason, are you all ready? For I'm this? very excited. Tense. Uh, so we'll break up let the me... episode nicely, and we'll get really good feedback from it. So, there we go. <laughs> so on to preseason. We're going to rush through this a little bit, I think, because we've got some, you know, juicy squad-related and transfer-related stuff to go through. Um, but we thought it's worth kind of setting the scene as to what we've done in pre-season um, and then we'll go on to the squad stuff. So um, we went to Portugal for some kind of fitness camp. Looked very nice. Lots of drone action going on on Yellow Player. I always imagine Chris Williams just has an absolute ball of a time playing around with drones when we're on those kind of pre-season trips. I put a note in here just then about why it wasn't like an Oxford trip that fans could kind of engage with and why they didn't have any games lined up because... That's been a big thing in recent years, but I wasn't sure if any of you guys knew why that was the case. Not really. Yeah, I think it was a bit disappointing, and and I saw a lot of uh, a few grumblings from from people saying it was disappointed. But it's one of those things. If you do something too much, it loses its um, loses what it was put there for. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think it was more just a case they wanted to have a, a a purely a pure fitness camp and just concentrate on the training side of things. Yeah, I think Carl um, said he wanted to, uh, like you said, to have the training camp and then rather than have a few little friendlies out there is to then have that marquee friendly straight afterwards to sort of kind of make up for the, the lack of the trip, which is obviously where the Rangers friendly came about. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so speaking of that, we took a thousand fans up to Glasgow, which was incredible, but they were a few matches ahead of us, I think, in terms of pre-season and then they just absolutely tanked mm. us. So I felt bad for the the thousand or so, including a, a couple of Yorkshire Yellows were up there as well. Um, but that was a shame. It was streamable that game, so a few people were watching it, and it was a bit demoralising. But it's fine. They're bringing Defoe on second half and that type of thing. But <laughs> it's one. I got of, over that quickly. One of those though, isn't it's it? A, it's a it's a it is a preseason game, and that's all it's there for. And like you say, they were there were a couple of games ahead of us. It was probably our our first real test, and although it was this put out there as this big sort of marquee game. I think it, it's disappointing for the fans that travelled up there to see us lose the way we did. But in terms of what it actually was, it, it doesn't mean a great deal or didn't mean a great deal. Yeah. So then we came back and we just played the absolute, you know, the, about 100 game, seemingly played 100 games against various local teams. So... The standard game against Oxford City, we were actually at one point, I think Twitter was in meltdown when we were 3-1 down early in the second half. Um, but we ended up winning that 5-3, had a good second half performance. And we had Henry, Fosu, White, Lofthouse and Napa. I've had to mention White's name, it's quite sad, we'll have to talk about that again in a minute. Um, play Tame away, 
won that 2-0. White scored again, penalty that time. And Robbie Hall actually is worth a mention because he scored a, a class little goal. It was a little dink. I don't know if you guys saw it. Mm. It was doing the rounds on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, great at one point. yeah, it's a really nice team move. And then he kind of dinked it over the keeper. Um, played Brackley away. Fabio Lopez and James Henry scoring in a 2-1 win. Um, played Woking away. Drew that one all with Elliot. I think it's Elliot Freer. Am I making Elliot up? No, I think. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Yeah. I think was, the, the point you make about Hall's a good example of where preseason is absolutely really relevant. I mean, generally, as, as Andy's touched on, it's about fitness, getting through games without injuries. You want to start to see a bit of the team shape starting to come together if we've got the players in, but we obviously knew that we we didn't. But for someone like Hall, you want him to play five games, and that's a really successful season because in theory he's one of our best players um otherwise some of these games just they just roll into one and they sort of think well actually if it's not a settled team it is just about getting people minutes under their belt and otherwise don't don't overthink it yeah yeah for sure i think if we had done our um our recruitment a bit earlier like robinson initially wanted to do we might have been a bit more competitive but i think People will look at a result, whether it's a pre-season game, whether it's a league game, a cup game, and they'll just take that result as gospel. You know what I mean? Regardless of when and where in the season it is. So, I think if we if we if we'd had a few more players and the results were a bit more favourable, um, I, I think probably fans might be a little bit more positive than they were probably a couple of days ago. Yeah. But, but over the years, I mean, I've seen pre-seasons where. We won most games and everyone gets excited. And then we've had an average season. I've seen pre-seasons where we have, you know, we've lost most games and then we have a better season. Um, it just sort of goes up and down. But as you say, if you get your players in early, then it can actually be quite important. Otherwise, it's a bit of a lottery. Really. Yeah, I was thinking in, in my uh, last season, I can't remember exact pre-season, but I'm pretty sure we had a, a fairly good one, won a lot of games. So like you said, we all had high expectations for Barnsley and then very quickly that changed and it sort of set the tone for the first half of the season. So, yeah. You say the preseason games, but you've got to take them with a bit of a pinch of salt. Yeah. Um, so Freer did notch a goal in that Woking game, and I think um, one of the guys in our WhatsApp group was saying he seemed relatively decent, but we haven't heard anything on him since. I'm guessing he hasn't found another club, and or if he has, it's not Oxford. Basically. Is that the mole you're referring to? No, it's not actually the mole. It's an, I think one of the guys actually went to the Woking uh, game. Okay. He was he took a picture and sent it into the group. Yeah, I think George. I think George did. Yeah, George. That's it. Yeah. Um, we then sent a bunch of kids to Eastleigh and got battered. Uh, we had the only note I took here was that we had two Jack Stevens on the pitch, <laughs> which I thought was interesting, but I don't think it really is that interesting. Top match reporting. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, we played. It then got a bit more serious. So the home game against QPR. Um, I didn't follow this too closely, but we were. They scored two quick-fire goals in the first half, and then Gorin scored a, a class goal he from outside. Stroked the Stroked it in, didn't he? Stroked it in. And did he just touched it? it Tick, tickled it in. Um, I guess it's worth mentioning the lineup for the Fulham game because. Um, that was the next game. We drew one all. Um, Knockout scored in the first half. They they were seemingly dominating us actually at half time, and it was potentially a case of you know there was panic in the air, and you could hear Jerome's voice go up a notch in terms of tone on Radio Oxford. Um, but yeah, the t- the lineup we basically played with is probably heavily representative of what we'll end up with at Sunderland on Saturday. Um, so between the Fulham game and the Solihull game, which we drew one all, again Brannigan scored a tidy finish in that. Um, 
we had Eastwood at the back, Ruffles, Massino, Dickey, and Cadden, who had come in. Um, I think he just signed, didn't he, before that Fulham game, and then was yeah. just whacked instantly into the team. But he'd been training with the guys for a bit. We had Gorin, and at this point, we had Hansen in holding midfield positions. Then we had Fosu, um, Brannigan actually playing in kind of the number ten, playing FIFA, the cam, the cam, or the number ten position. Um, Napper on the right hand side, then Mackie up top. And the only difference from that to the Solihull team was that. Uh, Hansen dropped out, Brannigan went back into the um, holding midfield role and then James Henry came up uh, to play in that number 10 position. What is the cam? Cam Centre attacking midfielder. Oh, Oh, it's an acronym. Okay, You can have a lamb, a cam and a ram. Ram. Yeah, no, No, I'm with you now. I haven't played FIFA. I haven't played FIFA for some... Yeah, number 10. Um, I'll go and get. I'll go and get my Horlicks. Yeah. <laughs> so it's worth saying that the yeah the second half performance against Fulham was really good, and it was good that we could keep a team like that out. And we were actually the busier in terms of um, having attempts at goal and that type of thing. So that was good to see. Fosu seemed to play well as well. He'd have had a bit of a stuttering preseason in terms of the games he played, but that was good. Um, and obviously, as I said, Brannigan notched a really good goal um, in that second game at Solihull. Um, now we start to get on to kind of squaddy transfer type chat from here on in, and I'm not going to play another interlude. You'll be happy to know. Um, KR, as we referenced, did we reference it whilst the pod has started or just before the pod? I don't remember. But anyway, KR kind of went off on one slightly on when uh, Radio Oxford were interviewing him after the game. Um, so he was talking about Gavin White leaving, saying we had a good bid and we didn't expect a team to get where we needed them to get with an offer, but they did. And he public, publicly came out before, didn't he, and said four million was you know, mm. what we're after. But it looks like it's more along the lines of two mil, maybe plus some add-ons going forward. Um, and I think that's probably a fair reflection, yeah. given given probably where he's come from. And, and he's only really had one full season uh, as, as an established pro. Um, I know a lot of people say, well, Carl Robinson said it's four million. It's it's scandalous that they've let him go. But I think I think it'd be. I don't think he's worth more than Roof, who obviously went for was it three or three and a half mil to yeah. Leeds. Um, maybe if he'd given him another season, possibly, and and saw what he, he probably truly could do. But I think two million plus add-ons is probably a fair reflection I I, of what he's. I worth. don't know what the League One record for years but it felt like a four million was a comment linked to the broader inflated market in football generally which is cooling off perhaps a bit as well so I just think that was definitely far too far too high and it's probably a good enough deal in in the end of things I mean he's a great player and sad we've only had him for a season but I think you've you've got to take that one really yeah I think two million's fair um we'll get on some other chat about the Radio Oxford interview that kind of talks a bit about it as well in a minute um he did, KR did reference as part of this interview all the players that had left and talked about how if they were still here, we'd be at the top end of the league without doubt, which was an absolute throwaway comment, but it's fine. You could tell he was frustrated in what he was saying. Um, he was saying that Oxford fans were shouting at him. He, repeat, he mentioned that again on the Radio Oxford interview today that people are telling him that we need a striker, and he was just like, Yes, I, yes, I know. Shut up. Stop, stop shouting at me. Um, he then mentioned that he's traveling around Europe, he's done two and a half thousand miles to see me and scout players. Um, hopefully, uh, as we're hearing, it's it's potentially is this um, Elliot Moore. Is it Elliot Moore? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, from the East from, Leicester, isn't it? I don't, I don't know. Is he on loan? 
from he, Leicester. He was, yeah, he plays for Leicester, but he was on loan at a Belgium second division mm. club. But I'd be surprised if he was out there. I don't know. I go, okay, no one's confirmed why who KR was actually looking at, but people assumed as much. I know people were assuming in our um, WhatsApp group. So, can, can I just make a point about? Carl Robinson traveling around. I love the fact that he won't fly anywhere and he drives everywhere. <laughs> I just, I've just got visions of Max and Paddy hit the road, and I don't know. I think he's probably, he's probably. Which ones? I've got to be careful. What I say here, who's the bigger one? Is that Max? It's Max, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Max is the you, larger yeah. chap. Max is is the larger chap. Yeah. <laughs> I, lo- I, lo- I do love the fact that he he doesn't like flying and he he just he drives everywhere. God forbid if he's got to go any further abroad than Europe, just do anything. Yeah. Um, and then the final thing he really went off on one about was he was saying, and I, I kind of quoted bits, but I haven't transcribed this properly, so it might be a bit loose. But he said, if we can buy a bit of land or buy something, kids of Oxford can have somewhere to go with a bit of identity. We don't own our stadium or training ground. Um, I didn't actually know we didn't own the training ground. It's rented from the council, which was news mm. to me. Um, he said, we have nothing, nothing. We rent everything. That's not right. He talked a bit about Charlton at that point and saying how they own stuff. And he said, if we have investment, put in something that says that's Roxford United and that's for the academy and for the future. And then he kind of finished by saying, this is not the way a football club should be run, which was interesting at that point. I think this was what was, you know, Twitter was then again, melting down with people saying, oh, he's going to, he's going to move, isn't he? He's, that's a jab at the board. They won't like that. He'll be gone. Or he'll, you know, resign or whatever. I mean, he's um, long. He's long had his own way of handling the media, and we've all discussed how much whether he says more than he needs to or or doesn't say enough. But I mean, that's a. This is not the way a football club should be run. It's it's quite. A, I mean, the sort of thing you wouldn't say to your boss, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No. You know, and he sort of talks about his close relationship with with Tiger and the board and, and working quite regularly. And that was the one that particularly struck me as that doesn't really help anyone. He was obviously frustrated, and he's he's clearly passionate. Um, in whatever direction, but that was the one that I thought, well, that's a quite a bizarre thing to say. Whether he was trying to send a message to, to go to get on with things, I, I don't know. But yeah, very strange, strange line. I thought. Yeah, I think he knew he knew what he was getting into when he, he took the job, though he wouldn't. I mean, unless they've hidden quite a lot of things. I think I don't know whether his his interview would have been with Daryl Eels or whether it was Tiger, but he would he 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 knew we didn't own the stadium. He probably knew the ins and outs of the training ground. Um, like I say, I think he was probably venting a little bit, and he was just being a typical he was being typical Carl Robinson and not engaging his brain before he thinks, but or before he speaks. But I think it was just. Uh, a culmination of things. I, so, I do think he's getting better, though. I do. I generally do. I know he gets emotional and goes on these rants, but okay. I do think he's getting better, or at least um, he's been given a bit of space or leeway from the fan base because mm. of the situation the the club is seemingly in, or the way the you know the board is handling things and whatever. He, so, he was. I mean, none of think- none- so none of us as fans want a manager who just says the the media lines and says absolutely nothing. But I think he's probably the other end of the, the spectrum. But I agree, he's, he's generally got better. And some of the times the passion is great and works. Sometimes it goes a bit all over the place. I think the first half of the of last season, it was quite painful at times. And I think if we can just sort of move into a bit more of a safer place, then I think it will be for the better of everyone. Um, squad confidence, consistency, knowing where we're going and just the general message he puts out. Passion's great, but you, you want a bit of direction, don't you? 
yeah, Ben, you're going to say something. I was just yeah, pretty much going to say the same thing. As the second half of the season, he, he it was noticeable. He was he was much calmer with the with the media. He, he did think about what he was saying before he said it. He didn't come out with these big promises that he couldn't keep. And I think the fan base, it, like you said, they came around to him a little bit more. They appreciated that he's not he's not perfect. Nobody is, and he's going to say things out of line every now and then. But I'd rather have a passionate manager than someone who's you know, just a broken record and just said the same dull football phrases every week. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I um, think Mike, Michael Appleton was pretty close to perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, yeah. We're just having a moment. We're just having a moment to dream about him then. <laughs> yeah. Map did have to work towards that. He didn't, again, start off well. He is not. He didn't come across as the most charismatic character initially, right? And it took a bit of time for him to, you know earn the trust of the Oxford fans and then when the results turned everything seemed to fit into place a lot nicer. I don't so. I don't think he ever he was ever very charismatic to be honest. He was just kind of he was professional. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. It, I'd be interested to see what he's like as a person, you know, if he you go out for a few jars with him. Um but yeah, it's yeah. um I think Robin Carl, Carl Robinson, his heart's in the right place and and like John says, he just needs a bit of direction. Maybe he does feel like he doesn't get enough support day to day on the ground. It's fine having speaking to the board members daily via phone, but you, you want somebody that's like a right hand man. You know what I mean? And, and I think it's worth bearing in mind he hasn't had an assistant manager for this whole preseason, has he? I know Faz has been there, but I don't actually know. I think Faz is more in, in a coaching role rather than an assistant role. So, yeah. All I'll say, the final thing on KR is that at the end, like the beginning of last season, it was a lot of when things weren't going well, he would say they and them and things like that about the, the players. And then when it was going well, it was it suddenly turned into us and me. We and, <laughs> yeah, me. but no, in the second half, it became much more of a together kind of unit pushing forward. Again, yeah. I would think results just change everything, don't they? So, yeah, absolutely. Anyway. Um, Chaps, we've got loads to get through. Should we go on to the squad? Yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. It definitely is very partridge, the end of that interview. (laughs) Yeah. Took the words out of my mouth. I think I've said it before. (laughs) Oh, well, let's let's just keep it. Let's go with it. Right. So I reckon we should go through the current squads. Hopefully we'll reference the people that have literally come in or have come in or are on their way in. and then we can talk about some of the people that have kind of departed as well as we're going through it. Um, in terms of, obviously, we've got Eastwood there. We don't really need to say too much about Eastwood, apart from the fact his missus um, terrified everyone by selling chairs on <laughs> social media and then making everyone think that he's moving away. Um, I think she is. his family is moving back up north, as I understand it, but he was staying, obviously staying put. Um, so that's good. We then got Jack Stevens' back up. Is there any other keepers on the books? There's a couple of uh, younger kids, apprentices almost, but not senior players. It'll be interesting yeah. if Eastwood gets injured, right? Whether like emergency loans are a thing. or is, is Wayne Brown still on the books or is he purely just in a coaching role now? He won't play. Yeah, he's there if he needs, I'm sure. Because I know, um, oh, I can't remember his name now. But yeah, I'd be, uh, I think he's purely just a coaching role now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, defense. So Cadden's top of the list. I think he's going to add a lot as right back. Um, when he was playing in preseason, his delivery was great. And 
based on feedback on forums from Motherwell fans. Um, they were saying that's what he really brings. They didn't see him so much as a right back. I don't know if you guys have looked into that at all, but um, well, they were surprised I, that that's where he's going to be mainly utilised. Yeah, I thought he was more a, a winger kind of player, um, and I did I did question it when I read and people had said he's going to be played at right back because that's not that's not where I thought obviously he'd played in the past, but having seen him or, or heard what people have said about him in pre-season, it, it probably, it's probably a good fit for him. I think it's similar, a bit similar to Garbutt as well. He's sort of anywhere on that flank. He, obviously, he was better as a winger later on in the season, but it, I suppose those sort of players could arguably play anywhere on that side, depending on how the team needed to shape and who they were playing alongside. Yeah. He's the perfect... Sorry, sorry, sorry go no, I was going to say... Go on, you. <laughs> Everyone say Maybe this is where right. my editing I, skills we, come in. We need to start pressing this. We have a little button on the side of our little thing. It's a little hand and you can press it when you want to talk, but it doesn't do oh. a great deal. You can't even <laughs> I, see it. I don't think it would work very well. But no, I was just going to say, it's not a serious point, but he's the perfect football manager player because you can obviously... You start him at right back, and then if you uh, if your left winger gets or your right winger gets injured, you can move him up and then bring on another uh, right back if you have the luxury of that. But... <laughs> John, what were you going to say? I was going to say I, I assume he'll be the the fullback that when we're going forward, we'll we'll try and push on a bit more. And I mean, Ruffles does go forward, we, we know, and he scores some some perlers. But I can't see how we can have the, in theory two attacking minded fullbacks and. I think the way that we set the team up is they can't both be bombing forward. It was it was pretty obvious in the second half of the season the fullbacks definitely sat a lot back a lot further, and that probably yeah. reflected the fact it was Long and and Ruffles who were playing. But I think um, I think he's definitely got some offensive element to him. So so on Ruffles on the other side, um, it is still interesting that he is a centre midfielder, right, for the majority yeah. of his career. He is right footed, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he just. Whilst, again, Josh was fantastic last year. He really put a shift in every game. Uh, as you said, he scored some absolute perlers and a few of them were in like, the last minute of games, right? I was at Doncaster when he, one of those went in. It was yeah, just brilliant. That. Um, but he, in terms of like, if we want that option B, and this is what I think we were talking about the other day, like if we just, a second half of the season, as you said, John, we were kind of sitting back and they weren't necessarily bombing forward. Um, but if we did want that option B, which was a criticism of the team throughout last season, then do we need another left back that gives you that kind of natural, like a left-footed left back who has a bit of pace to him and is more natural on that flank um, to work with the wingers ahead of them? That's the, the only thing I'd say is that it's a shame if we don't get a left back in that will be challenging um, or putting pressure on Ruffles this year. I think we'll, I think we'll generally get away with it, so to speak. And but if I was a, a top six winger or or, or Fosu or someone like that, if I saw him on the team sheet, I'd be thinking, great, I should be able to have this de- this guy every every day of the week, just because yeah. he's a converted fullback. Nothing, nothing against him as a player, as, as you said, he's an absolute trooper. I think he adds, he's 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 one of those players like he's a, obviously a local lad, and he puts he puts a shift in every every game he plays so although he's probably not a, a out and out left back he'll, he'll put in a shift you know what I mean he'll get he gets up and down and he'll he'll go he'll work for that overlap so I think yeah even though he's not probably a, that's not his natural position I think he he does all right yeah um 
other wing backs, Tony McMahon, I did not see him still being at Oxford United at this moment in time. Um, he, he played for the under-23s yesterday and scored a goal against Banbury, apparently. Um, I, I can't... He, will he still be here when, you know, at the end just, of August? It's a strange one, isn't it? He obviously moved back, uh, back or not moved, but he went back up north. I can't remember who he played for. Um, but obviously, that's it, Scunny. He, he, he went to play for Scunthorpe and it was all, he was having personal problems. I know his dad passed away um, not long before he came to us. Um, and I didn't expect to see him again. And I thought he'd obviously go either with Scunthorpe or he'd find another Northern team. And then out of the blue, it was announced that he was uh, he was starting. I can't remember which game it was. He was starting one of the preseason games. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see where that goes, I guess. Um, we've got Sam Long as well, who at one point started playing centre-back during pre-season. And that's where I was, you know, I was thinking that's going to be where he ends up because we're not going to sign anyone. Doom and gloom merchant. But um, what do we think of Longy on as right as a right back? Mm, I'm not. I'm not. He's all right. He's probably all right to be on the bench. and um, But I don't think he's, he's quite, I don't know, he's probably reached his limit in terms of what he can do. He's come on leaps and bounds. Don't get me wrong. He, he did a, he did a job when he played there last season, but I don't think he's, he's going to progress a, a great deal more. So do you, do you think that we've, I don't personally feel like we've, he's had enough of He had a big injury. Didn't, didn't he? At mm. one point, I, I remember going to Sheffield Wednesday in a cup game and he was injured there and then he didn't seem to come back for a long time, but um, no pun intended. If he, <laughs> Yeah, I think if he has a good run in the team, it'd be in, you will have to judge him this season as to whether League One is a level that he can he can play at. Did um, he not have that? Did he not have that in the sort of back half of last season though? We He's... did well in the back half of last season, mm. <laughs> so we'll have to see. Well, there, yeah, I suppose there is that. Right on there'll, to more positive things. Yeah, there will be. Yeah, um, Rob Dickey. So hot off the press, he's just signed the new contract. I haven't seen the length of it. Two, two years. Two-year deal. Two really years from news. now, basically? Yeah. Okay. That was a stupid question. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so where do we, I guess, in terms of centre-backs other than that, Nelson's gone off to Cardiff. Um, I'd be interested to see if he can cut it at championship level, but let's not dwell on players that aren't here anymore. Um, I think he's Hopefully in- we're getting He's inconsistent. I think that's probably his, his problem, and I think he would probably he he benefit from having like a, a seasoned sort of pro, a, an old head next to him, somebody like Dubry, um that can obviously support him a little bit. But I think him and, and Nelson, obviously Nelson's quite young, um, and I, I think there's talk of obviously Elliot Moore coming in. He's quite young as well, so. Uh, I think, yeah, he's 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 a good player, um, but I don't know. I guess I guess it's one of those, isn't it? The 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 management and the coaches see more of him day to day than that the fans do. We only see him during games, and if you see him make a mistake or I don't know if he has two bad games, you just you we can only judge him on what we see, don't we? Yeah. Um, into midfield, so. We've got Moose, because I'm not counting Moose as a defender at this moment in time, even though he's played there a lot during preseason. Um, it is interesting now with some of the signings that have been made today, um, and also with Hansen and Gorin playing 
is kind of holding midfielders um, and Brannigan back there as well. Whether or not Moose will get game time if um, we do get Elliot Moore in, but we'll have to see. He is a leader and he offers that experience. So who knows? Baptiste as well. Um, I mean, yeah. he was, I think we all remember Sunderland away when he was just yeah, he bossed it, didn't he? Rolls Royce. Um, he's he's going to come back and no doubt go in as long as his injury wasn't particularly fatal. Um, our midfields, um, I mean, I think I've seen regular pundits on season reviews talk about our midfield being one of the best in the, the leagues, and I can kind of get with that. I think it depends on the system, of course, but um, I think we're well stocked in that department. You think you're only you're only yeah. as good as the guys uh, ahead of you and behind you, though, aren't you, in midfield? So Yeah. Yeah. It's a big season for Brannigan. We've got Gorin in from Motherwell. Um, Sykes, again, a big season. He showed real promise back in the last year. Um, Fosu's come in, who could be classed as a forward, but we'll see. He's going to offer that unpredictability going forward, which is nice and frustrating at times, but we'll see how he gets on. As you said, Baptiste, if he can rediscover some of those performances like at Sunderland away um, last year, that'll be amazing for us. Um, and then Hansen, who can also play at right back. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. I imagine... This is the last year. Will this be the last year of his deal? I thought he, I think, yeah. Sure. Was it three years? Might have been a three-year mm, one. Actually. I think it was yeah. three years, yeah. Yeah. Two more. So hopefully he gets, you know, he finds his feet. And I, I think he's one of the higher earners in the squad as well. So that'll be interesting. And then the staple man that is James Henry. Um, he kind of tailed off a bit at the end of last season. He was kind of burnt mm. out, wasn't he? But he's, you know, I hope, hopefully he can play a big part this year as well. Well, um, the, the position he was playing in um, number 10 in in this formation is, is so important. And I think in the first half of the season, he wasn't really coming back that much. And we were probably a bit all over the place. Second half, I think he was doing a hell of a lot more work, probably because by instruction. And I think, as you say, it just it just knackered him out. But he scored, what, 15, 16 goals or something like that? Yeah. Um, probably not kept us up, but you know what I mean. So in terms of forwards, Robbie Hall... I'm wondering about his fitness, and I think a lot of people are at the moment. Um, didn't really. He showed signs, good signs in the early stages of pre-season. Um, whether or not he's fit enough to play, um, there's no noise really coming out of the club um, either way. But we'll have to see. Um, I feel sorry for the guy. He had so you know he's got so much talent. It's just not really able to use it. So, and it's not too bad. I think, if we're, I think if we're going to be. Sorry, Ben. Go on. I was going to say, it's not from lack of hard work and trying for him. Obviously, he spent so much of last year rehabbing and, you know, he's desperate to get a new deal. And, and you know, I think the, it's obvious he's taken a little bit of a pay cut in order to get that. And, you know, he's made sacrifices to, to try and get back to full fitness and to offer a team. And, yeah, I, I just really hope he's not going to start every game, but if he can just stay fit and, and come in when he needs to, I, I think he can still be quite a useful attribute for, for us just running down the wing, putting crosses in cutting inside. I uh, just hope it works out for him. So the thing is, he's a ball carrier and if we're going to continue playing one up front, then we need people who can get the ball up there and otherwise it's just the same old long balls up to, to Mackie and see what he can do. Um, him and Fossil will be, and to agree, Henry will be critical for that point. Yeah. So we've got Napa, um, who KR was obsessed with seemingly when he first came in. Um, did actually, you know, played the last couple of games. Um, so we'll see. Maybe he'll get a starting place, but I can see him getting replaced. Um, Mackie as well. Um, 
he'll probably he's probably going to be starting on yeah. Saturday, isn't he? No, I, I think he's probably going to be up um, there just to cause a nuisance and make a nuisance of himself, and and hope that if we don't bring in a, an out and out number nine, that the wingers and um, some of the midfields could can chip in with some goals. Um, he doesn't have many goals in him. I think he's he's, he's just there to be a nuisance, basically. Yeah. Um, are we upset that Sinclair didn't sign on? Not really. Uh, I think <laughs> it, it was a like like a lot of the kind of the 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 guys we had towards the end of the season. Garbert, Sinclair, um, they were playing for their reputation, basically. Um, no, nobody wants a, a relegation on the CV, do they? So, I think they were probably playing more for themselves and making themselves look a bit more attractive to other clubs. Um, I don't. I don't think he's a. He, he's never going to be a number nine. Um, certainly, and from yeah. what we saw, so no, I'm not overly disappointed, really. So we just signed Anthony Ford um, this afternoon from Rotherham. Um, I watched the interview and I always find it amazing. I'm still waiting for that player when they said, "Why Oxford United?" to just be like, "Well, because they offered me more money than all the other clubs." <laughs> but you don't get that, and you get, "Oh, the manager seems like he likes football and." I like football and they play football. Great. They play football and but he um he seems you know, I, I was looking at Rotherham fans' reactions, um, a lot of them wishing him well, um, saying he wasn't kind of guaranteed a starting place in their team. Doesn't seem to score too many goals, um, and his assist rate isn't great, but he everyone was saying he's a really, really hard worker and someone com- compared him to kind of an Alex McDonald for us when we were pushing out League Two. So if he's a trier and he's putting in 100%, you know, the fans are going to back him, aren't they? So hopefully um, he's got a, he's got a promotion and a relegation on his CV, um, but he's got out of this league before. So, you know, can only be good experience for us. Um, Woodburn. I'm not going to say anything. I'll let you guys talk about this. <laughs> really, uh, really interesting one. Because, <clears throat> I mean, he if he hits the ground running and starts plays number 10 this could be a fantastic signing or you could go the other way and just you know choose the night away and all that that sort of thing but in theory he's a high quality player and um it's how he sets himself and adapts himself into the team um i don't think he can be the the big star i think he's got to work in a system and um i'm i'm sort of i'm lots of people very excited and a lot of pundits saying this is a great signing i think i'm a bit sort of six seven out of ten on it really i think the proof will be in the pudding one it is on paper he looks a good signing but whether he can re- replicate that reputation on the pitch is another thing um i think it's interesting as well he's was well, he 19 we yeah. brought we brought in a lot of young young players some slightly older than him that have had to go straight into the under 23s and i know they've not come from sort of liverpool but it's interesting that Carl Robinson rates him high enough because I think he'll probably start on Saturday. I would have thought that obviously Carl Robinson rates him enough to to give him that sort of first team um, position. Yeah, I think he's. It's interesting to see what his attitude is going to be like because we've had a few really good players who've come in with high expectations. Dan Crowley, when he's from Arsenal, springs to mind, but then his attitude was poor. He didn't fit in with the team, and we cut his loan short. But he's then since gone on to rebuild his career in Holland and he's done really well for himself. So I think it's it's up to KR a bit as well just to manage his expectations and to not make him not realise he's not the big star there. But if he just does his thing, he should be better than 95% of the players in this league without doubt. 
Yeah, I think it's interesting to say, um, I don't know if you were going to mention this, but Simon Lennigan said on Twitter that it's going to be a big five months for him. Now, we, we've sort of discussed this on our WhatsApp group briefly and whether there's anything actually in that or whether it's just uh, him making presumptions. I just, I think going down to League One, players can soon become like 22 and they haven't cut it anywhere. So he's at an age now with that kind of expectation behind him and with that being in a full international where, you know, he's got to, even in the senior game, being a 19-year-old, that's a challenge. But with that reputation, he's got to start showing something. So maybe it's just to do with that. If you can't do it in League One, you know, how long do you wait until, do you put him back in the under-23s at Liverpool type thing? I don't know. It's Um, it's interesting because we had the two guys from um, Man City, didn't we? And they just did absolutely nothing. And... I don't think they were obviously not as highly rated, but it's a big, it's a different league. Um, league one yeah. sort of below is completely different to the championship and the, the Premier League. And some players just can't adapt. It's physical. Uh, you know, the, it's a lot smaller, a lot more compact. Um, and it'd be interesting to see whether he can adapt to those uh, changes. Yeah. In terms of kids that are coming through, um, we'll quickly touch on these. So Nico Jones played the last two or three games of last season. He got quite a few, you know, people were saying he seems to stand up to the plate, distribution a little wonky. I think some of the guys on our WhatsApp group um, when we are talking about this were saying that he wasn't intimidated by the people around him. Um, so real good prospect for the future with him. Um, Fabio Lopez is another attacking player. Um, seems to, he did well in pre-season. He's getting some rave reviews. Uh, Kieran Lofthouse was doing well as well. Uh, Kevin Burko was a player that we pulled up. I think he was originally in the Chelsea youth setup, and he's a left back. So whether or not he ends up being someone that would challenge Ruffles, we'll have to see. And then um, uh, Slavi Spazov was another one that um, he came, he played in some cup games, didn't he? Or at least played made a senior appearance. He and played in the, uh, yeah, in the Mickey Mouse Trophy. Yeah, that's right. That's You've got Sam Allardyce as well. Um, oh, yeah. And I, can't, Sam. I can't remember who it was. Little, little Sam. Little Sam, yeah. <laughs> somebody somebody from the group had been to the game and they they would, uh, they would said he just didn't look like a footballer. So What did he look like? Well, <laughs> I don't mean that in a physical sense, just in terms of his talent and what he was doing. So it'd be interesting to see whether he gets anywhere near the, uh, the team. Yeah. Um. Transfer gossip then. Um, so I was obsessed with that Stuart Finley guy who's a centre-back at Kilmarnock. I think you guys are probably aware of that. Um, he really fit the bill, but if we're getting Elliot Moore in, um, then you know that's a sim- he's a similar age. I think Finley was 23. Um, Elliot Moore is 22. I think Finley's experience would definitely outweigh Elliot Moore. And as such, I imagine the fee that we're, we're paying for more, if that does go through, will be significantly less. Um Chad Evans, um, KR said on Radio Oxford that we were looking at him, but he said his family were up north and we've kind of stepped away from that um, as there's other people that are interested. Marcus Brown obviously went to Middlesbrough. Boo. Um, yeah, boo. <laughs> when he was in the building the other day, that was such a tease. Wasn't yeah. It? And Carl Robinson, Carl Robinson said he didn't even know he was there. <laughs> Shut up, Carl. You knew yeah. he was there. <laughs> Um, the one that looks like it may well happen is KR confirmed that when it, huh, were you guys listening to this Radio Oxford thing? Yeah. Was it just Andy? You were busy I listened to some of it. I listened to about half of it and then I had to... Did, I, I could, did you hear... I've never heard quick fire 
player summary like from KR before. It was fantastic. Where the guys were like just chucking names at him. Jerome was just chucking names at him. He was going, Yes, no. I've spoken to him. No. Yeah, yes. I heard that no. bit, yeah. That's how they should do it the whole time. It'd so it'd be so much less no, you destroyed a week stressful. of Twitter rumors, though, in like 10 seconds. <laughs> I know, yeah. That's it's amazing. Many more random players to be linked with. I mean, it would just destroys our, our fun. Um, so, what he confirmed we were looking at a Burnley player. So, Dan um, Ajay, who's a striker, 22, plays in their under 23s, but has had loan spells at Coventry, Warsaw, and Blackpool. Um, he seems like a player, and he's, he's either looking, I think Burnley won a time down to another contract to loan him out, but. He's probably looking for a permanent move on better terms. So that's probably what we're looking at at the moment. Um, Aribi, um, Jack in the WhatsApp group was saying the other day, and I remembered that this was a guy we were looking at. Um, he currently plays for Forest, but when he went to Chesterfield, we were poking around him at the time. Um, but he did well at Chesterfield, then got his move to Forest, and then he's had a few loans in the meantime. Um, again, another player that's gone to Motherwell that we seem seem to be interested in. We'll see if that goes anywhere. And then he mentioned that we were looking at uh, George Fawn at Derby, which I hadn't heard anything of until today. Um, Jack and the WhatsApp group was saying he's, uh, did he, he's really injury prone. Did he actually mention, I don't know whether he mentioned a, a name there. I think he just said we'd looked at looking at a player from Derby and we just... Assumed. No, he said oh, Fawn. He? Okay. he said Fawn, yeah. And I didn't know who Fawn was and that's when jack piped up because i was asking about it but yeah seems really injury injury prone hasn't played that many games considering he's 26 um so guys based on that what, what do we reckon i think actually we can go on to it when we get into sunderland chatter about the starting 11 but um is there anything else from that radio oxford interview that's worth talking about i thought that zaki um the director zaki spoke really really well mm. in general didn't seem to kind of just, trip up once in terms of what he was saying i'm surprised we don't we don't put him forward or the board don't put him forward to answer questions and, and put out statements more often because I, I thought he was very well spoken i think he he did a much better job than the md did at getting the points across and just trying to calm calm the, the fears of fans down and said there is a plan in place and i, I think he, he's, he should be very useful for us on the board yeah i think um, the um i'd be really intrigued to someone had asked him about um eric tor here who's a it's a massive deal I mean, sort of global football and we've yet to see what he's really bringing to the party. I thought the stuff about um, land and sort of real estate project was quite interesting because I think there's been, certainly I've got a friend who's a Reading fan who's thrown that accusation at Tiger around, more interested in real estate around the Reading Stadium than, uh, than the actual football side of things. Um, but I think, um, no, it was it was a good, really good positive um, G up ahead of the season. I think I think we still need that those strikers through the door, and they may be they may end up being loans that are a bit of a gamble. And obviously, we need a centre back confirmation and one that's going to work with with Dicky. But um, on paper, to me, we're kind of where we were last season. That we've got a good squad on paper. It all comes down to how well they can set up in the system and how well KR can get them to play in in the way that he tends to play most games. Yeah. And you mentioned the thing about. Um where for here like what are the board members actually contributing and one of the the oxbox guys said pretty articulately towards the end that we seem we seemingly have fantastic board members getting involved with the club but what's actually the five-year plan look like how are we going to get to the championship how would we fund it you know give us more information about that type of stuff and you know we'd probably let it settle a little bit 
Um, but you're right, they did put a lot of emphasis on the revenue stream side of things, putting that as a big focus point and then playing on the word sustainability a lot of the time and saying that, you know, our model is getting players young, selling them for a profit, and that helps to balance the books. And they said this kind of, we, the club is running with significant seven-figure losses year on year type of thing. Um, so that's that, another thing that was brought up. I think it's worthy of a more detailed look in a future future pod, but it's the championship thing for me is, yes, of course, in due course, but it's a bit of a red herring at the moment. We just don't have any of the building blocks in place to be to be thinking about that, in in my opinion. I think it's yeah. just quickly worth mentioning as well. I think a lot of people get het up with board members not being in the in the public eye or being accessible but they're not necessarily there for that reason they're there to they they fund the club um it's it should be the md and the, the manager that are probably the the two most present people when it comes to the sort of face of the club so uh, i just think it's good that we've got these board members on on board but just let them do what they do you know what i mean they're kind of probably ticking away behind the scenes and, and doing what they do so yeah, yeah. No, it's a fair, fair point. So the only other notes, because we need to move on. God, we've, we've been doing this an hour, chaps, already. Um, the only other things I took from that was that KR said the player flying in, he said flying in as well for a medical at the moment is the most he's spent on a player. I'm not sure if he meant on a player in a certain position, but that's what came out of his mouth. Um, he also really said that... Yeah, really interesting. Yeah, I've just read an uh, an article on the, um, uh, must be a local Leicester paper saying Leicester City set to cash in on young defender as dealers agreed with Oxford United. So whether you could put two and two together and and say that's the player that's flying in, I don't know. But I guess that's what we're led to assume, right? Yeah. Um, He also said that he'd had more money made available for a striker than he had ever been given at any of his previous clubs. But he was saying it was still a struggle to get them in and they just are generally going to championship clubs. And he mentioned Brown as part of that, even though he's not necessarily a striker. Um, and then the only other two things that were worth mention were the Oxfox guys saying they're going to get some permanent things put at the back of the East Stand. Um, so I'm guessing it's kind of flags and that type of thing. But to get a bit of colour right, there, uh, make it feel a bit more like home. Uh, give me pictures. It's the um, mural, isn't it? Yeah. It's the what, sorry? The mural, they've obviously commissioned that mural and they've been they've set up a, a GoFundMe page or I don't think it's uh, GoFundMe. Yeah, yeah. yeah we need to, point. need to push that going forward. Yeah. They mentioned the colours of the nets. I know you're very passionate about that as well, Andy. I am, yeah. And I was on the verge of getting these nets um in place when I was actually when I was on the um I was an Oxfox committee member a while back when I was based down south in the army and it was at the start of the sort of Eels Ashton era and I'd, I'd put it to him i'd met with kevin smith and and mark ashton and i put it to them that we needed a bit of color uh, around the concrete coffin and i suggested the nets and i used yeovils at the time as an example i think they had they had green and white um checkerboard pattern nets and i'd been and i'd been through the whole process of getting a quote and i think it worked out about 500 pound for the, the two nets um and then at the uh, 11th hour, Mark Ashton poo-pooed it and said, well, actually, no, I don't think it looked very professional. So I just, I was I was on cloud nine and then I just got beat <laughs> down with a big stick. But yeah, I still think I, I, I still think we should be exploring little things like that because it will add a little bit of colour to the, the stadium. So Yeah. Um, and then the final thing was KR announced they'd sign a new contract until 2022, which was... 
yeah, a bit of a shock to the system at the time, but that is, you know, I think that's good news in terms of for a bit of stability. Um, but let's hope we have a good start to the season this year, so eyebrows aren't raised and that type of thing. It's probably worth probably worth saying actually at this point that for everyone who's wondering, are we going to blather on for ages? This is a a debut episode, and uh, I think we're going to be looking to do the sort of average commute type stuff going forward. But this is a a good old chance yeah. to have a, a good old natter and ramble through. The, the problem is with the first episode, you have endless, endless history to talk about yeah. forever. So you're right. I think we need to try and aim for like 45 minutes going forward, but we'll see. Um, are you guys ready for another super duper little interlude thing? Andy, this is, this is all oh, for you. Oh, yes, I'm ready. I've not heard this. So I'm excited. <laughs> it's a blast from the past. Well, I didn't see that coming. take us away Andy. love it wow um I, I love that i love it um yeah so i'm gonna fly through this um i think when we first started talking about this podcast we would just we chose a random page for my for my little trivia books so i won't divulge where that what they are or where i get my information um but well without further ado if we're all sitting comfortably then i shall begin um this is a nice little a tidbit for you on um on Sunday the twenty or Saturday the twenty seventh of February nineteen ninety nine, Oxford played Sunderland at the Manor in the first pay per view match shown live on British television. The game, which had a six pm kickoff, was an uneventful, goalless draw with an attendance of nine thousand and forty four, boosted by an estimated fifty thousand television viewers paying Sky seven pound ninety five on top of their normal Sky subscription. So not not only were we the first uh, professional football club to install uh, floodlights, we were the first pay-per-view match on Sky TV. Well, I didn't know that, Andy. Uh, that every day, I do. Every Set day's a school day. <laughs> do we thank Martin Brodetsky for some of this knowledge? Uh, maybe. Maybe Copyright not. Pen. <laughs> no, maybe not. I don't know. I've not got a, a cover on my book for that exact reason. I know exactly where those facts are from. Okay. Uh, and then I've got one more, actually. I've got um, this. This one is from um, it's a book, an Oxford United book. Um, Who's it, it by? It's, it's <laughs> well, it's by an author. An author. Stop it, stop it James. Stop it. <laughs> um, I'm sure a lot of Oxford fans have this book. Um, but obviously, Friday the 3rd of August, 1979. Obviously, we're playing on Friday the 3rd of August, 2019. So um, here we go. We're Actually, no, sorry. We're playing on Saturday the 3rd of August. Um, and I've actually lost my fact. It was a... Um, <laughs> it, it, it was it was it was quite a good one but now i found it don't worry i found it here we go right good, good. richard knight was born on uh, born in burton on trent the goalkeeper joined united on loan from derby county in january 2000 making his debut on january 22nd against bristol rovers in a 5-0 defeat <sighs> Oof, dear um oxford made the signing permanent in june 2000 and in his 53 games for the club knight kept just seven clean sheets his last game on March 23rd, 2002 was a 2-1 defeat at Carlisle, after which he was loaned to Colchester, United, and then released. I think that was a good time to use that. <laughs> it was either that or the sad one, and I thought that was a good, that's a good one. 
There you go. So if people heard that, then they know more and they can impress their Oxford United friends with a bit of trivia and knowledge. So, right. Should we chat about Sunderland? Big game on Saturday. Andy, yeah. you've done some research for us. To... Yeah, a little bit. Um, uh, we'll, we'll just fly over, obviously, the two games last season. They were both 1-1 draws. And I think it'd be fair to say we probably should have won both of them. Um, yeah, for sure. I think, yeah. Um, so the first one was back in September, um, first of September last year. A scrap. It was just it was a scrappy game. I think it always was. It was going to be with obviously Stuart Donald and Charlie Methvin having that Oxford link, and then the likes of um, Maguire, Chris Maguire being there. Um, they started the game in third. We started it in twenty second. Um, home scored with a lovely free kick, and I think it probably showed glimpses of why we brought him in. But I think after that, we just didn't see anything of him. He, he was injured, and he just—I I don't know—I think he was just plagued by injury. Um, Max Power was sent off for a lunge on Brown. He was causing all sorts of problems up and down, up and down the wing on the left wing. Um, and then obviously when was did we score sorry we scored home scored before um yeah was sent off. that's right yeah, so we already won that and i think that it obviously just riled them even more and i don't think there was anything in max powers like lunge i think it was probably just a clumsy tackle rather than anything vicious but um obviously if, yeah. so i was gonna say if i remember that rightly it was well cynical like brown was away and then he just just lunged in and just slid in midair to take him out it was a. I think it was a red. I don't know if anyone else remembers that. Yeah, I think it was a red. I think it was probably the right decision, but I don't think it was one of those. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't brutal. Yeah. Um, obviously, Charlie Wyke, uh, who signed for Sunderland for one million in that 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 um, summer, he, he scored to equalise, but it was enough. Such a grubby goal, that. Yeah, I was going to say it was straight through our defence, and we probably could have if somebody just stuck a leg out or. Something it probably wouldn't have gone in, but um, and actually, the team or the starting 11 who started that game wasn't actually our strongest 11 at the end of the, the end of the season. Garbutt was on the bench, White was on the bench, believe it or not, and Dickey was on the bench. Um, and there were there was eight yellow cards and one red, and then obviously, there eight, were eight yellow cards, eight, eight yellow cards, and one red card. Wow. Shouldn't Maguire have been sent off? As well, yeah, no, Cameron Norman was um really doing him up, and they just lost their heads for that first half. Just it was absolutely um just yeah. fell to pieces, and well, we were all loving it. Um, and thinking <laughs> this is, I mean, that was that was an example where the way we play all comes together, and we were just seamlessly everyone knew what they were doing, and we were just all over them. Yeah. And then um, the return fixture, obviously this year, 9th of Feb, um, again was as one one. Um, I think it was a frustrating game for both both fans, both set of fans and teams, to be honest. And I think probably the, the, the 1,800 away Sunderland fans, away fans that left were probably left feeling a little bit more deflated than we were. Um, I think we probably should have scored more than we did. Uh, their keeper had a, like, a blind in-game. He was absolutely like, amazing. Pulled off some right world, he saves. Um, another another tidbit, another fact for you. It was actually Sundan's first visit to the Kazam. Um, Done, but he put them ahead um, in the first half, and then Brown equalised 
um, late on, I think in the 87th minute, set up by Sinclair, just to add insult to injury, who was obviously a, a previous Sunderland player. And I don't know if he was still on the books there or whether, whether he was, I'm not sure, I think he still was, and he came on loan to us. Well, no, where was he before us? He was. Um, he went out and loaned somewhere else, and then he came to us. So I think he was still actually a Sunderland player. Um, Sunderland started that game in fourth, and we uh, we started off in 22nd, I think. I might be wrong. But yeah, so they were both two sort of scrappy 1-1 games where we probably, I think, even some Sunderland fans would admit we probably should have come away with more than we did. But Yeah. Their pre-season hasn't been too fruitful as well, right? I posted some notes in the chat, but they played South Shields in a local game, one 2 nil. Drew with a Benfica B-side, nil-nil. I'm guessing they've been on tour somewhere, right? Um, it's probably Portugal. Um, and then they lost to, I cannot pronounce that. Belenasis. Belenasis. Good yeah. old Belenasis beat them 1-0. And then they lost to... Um, her, oh, God. Hernevin. I'm glad you started reading this out because I've been practicing yeah. these <laughs> and I still can't get them right. Heron, Heronveen. Heronveen. Yeah. Where are they? Aren't they Danish or something? Or is that Dutch. Nevin? Dutch. Whoops. But they haven't... Um, it looks like they're just not hitting the back of the net in the in preseason. But again, we're not going to look too much into that. I think they played Hartlepool behind closed doors the other night as well and won 5-2. So we'll see. There's a lot um, of pressure on them for, for this season. Yeah. At least, I mean, I don't obviously read much Northeast media, but um, you get the sense they seem to get that slightly under kilter. But in theory, this is um, got to go up type stuff for them. Yeah, I was speaking to my mate. Uh, my mate is a Sunderland fan. I used to work with him, um, Ez. So hi, Ez, if you're listening. Um, he, he, I think he said that most fans are still expecting them to go up. Um, so they, there's, like I said, there's quite a lot of pressure on them. But we know, we all know how that ended last season, didn't we? They, were, they basically said they had a divine right to go up and nothing could stop them. And we all know that how that ended, didn't we? I wonder if Netflix are going to commission a third season. Or do you reckon the disappointment of Wembley has just struck them? Who knows? Well, I think they were filming They were filming at the home game, weren't they, when we were there. So I think there actually is another yeah. season that's fo- that follows last season. There's another series that follows last season. So Okay. It was good watching that, to be fair. I really enjoyed it. Mm. Just hope um, Maguire's one of the players, the featured players. <laughs> just hope. At I mean, home with Maguire. Why wouldn't he be? Yeah, exactly. Um, what about players that they've signed or ones to watch and that type of thing? Yeah, so I don't know whether this is probably as of a couple of days ago um, when we were having our meltdown with players, but probably one of the bigger bigger names, Mark McNulty on loan from Reading. Uh, he's a quality striker and someone probably we, we could have used. Um, I don't know whether we'd maybe put in a bid for him or not, but... Um, and I think it it probably shows the divide between Sunderland and ourselves. They've probably got a bit more clout behind them. They get Mark McNulty and we get Sam Smith last season. So, um, yeah, less said about Sam Smith, a better probably a better singer than he's a footballer. Um, George Dobson uh, signed a three-year deal from Walsall. I think, obviously, when Walsall went down, a lot of their players probably left uh, on jump chip and Sunderland snapped him up. He's got a good pedigree, um, good age, and no doubt he'll get time on the pitch. Um, I think um, if he was if he was likely to come into our team, I think he was... I don't know why Carl Robinson likes to bring these young lads in and put them in the under-23s, but I think he'd probably end up going straight into the under-3s. Um, 
Under threes. Under threes, oh, yeah. No. That's right. Yes, <laughs> under threes. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Well, he, how, do you know how old he is, George Dodson? I think he's about, tw- I think he's about 22, 23. So. Yeah. I think he was a regular fixture in that Walsall team last year. Uh, I've just in, seen it flash up on, on our WhatsApp group as well that Marquis is uh, he's just signed for Pompey. I've got a bit of a love affair with Marquis. Yeah, yeah. Dude, we, we, we don't have time for your love affair. No, okay, John anyway. He, he's, yeah. a good, he's a good player. It's never going to happen. I'll crack on. I'll crack on. <laughs> and obviously, one, ones to watch, I think, obviously, we, but we all know Chris Maguire. He's in his last year of his contract with Sunderland. We know him all too well from both sides of the, the, the table, obviously playing for us and playing against him. We know what he's capable of. But it, to be fair, he is getting on a little bit. He's he's just, oh, I think he turned 30 this year. Um, and it, he might have mellowed a little bit in his old age, but he's still the king of shithousery, isn't he? I think we'll all remember that. <laughs> that that penalty against, um, was it, there wasn't Swindon. Who was it he played? Who was the, what was the penalty against? Where he absolutely we- just shithoused all over the keeper and he he. he Went into the oh, goal. And yeah, I, I, I can't remember what that. game it was, but um, <laughs> I think he'll obviously. If it, I think he'll probably start on on Saturday. Yeah. He, um, he, I think he injured his he injured him. Oh, did he? He might have injured himself pre-season actually, and he was going to be out for two months. I think he broke something. He seemed to establish himself. He dropped. He seemed to drop out a bit of last season and seemed to establish himself towards the end. I saw that they. Um, I think Graham Graham Honeyman's on the move to Hull, and he's one of the players for them that keeps them ticking over you don't really notice him but he, he keeps them ticking over so if he goes that's interesting he's, he's a Sunderland Cap- lad isn't he as gone. well he's yeah. through and through um so that might make if that goes through might make things interesting should yeah. we uh we crack on with our predictions and and hopes for the game I think I'll, I'll start I think this time around it's probably going to be one of those games where one team takes all all the points all three points I, I think it's unlikely we get a draw um I think I, I can't bet against Oxford and my heart says two one to Oxford, but my head says two one to the Black Cats. Unfortunately, just but obviously with the signings we've made, the, obviously yesterday and today, that that I'm feeling a little bit more positive. To be honest, um, I still think we we definitely need a striker. But um, yeah, what well, about you guys? What you what your feelings I, are? But I'd probably go with what you've just said. To be fair, two one either way, but I would edge towards Sunderland would be my bet. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, I think the cliche about the first 20-30 minutes is absolutely spot on with this one. If we're all over the place, then it could be a, it could be quite quite bad. But then if we actually grow into it, they might get a bit rattled and fans go the other way. But I, I think yeah, I, I think we're all in the same place on this we, one. We do like counter-attacking. Um, yeah, and we've yeah. got these unpredictable. If we were talking about the starting eleven, I think the players that we would see come in. Um, Andy, you put like an example 11 down here and it's similar to mm. what we talked about earlier. The only thing that I think will be different with this, so it's Ruffles, Moose, Dickey, Cadden, Rid- Gorin and Brannigan holding and then Fosu. Um, I think he'll play instead of Napper. I think he'll put Woodburn on the right um, and have Henry um, through the middle with yeah, Mackie ahead of him. Keep, uh, keep him out of the... Um... Keep him out of the fray for the for the early days. Yeah, I think I think, I think Napa might be the um, I might he might be the shining star of this game. Um, to be honest, I think I don't know how much faith Robinson's got in him, but I think he might give him a chance. You know, same with Baptiste. He was he was 
he, yeah. he gave him a chance and he was the standout player against Sunderland. So I don't know. Um, I it think... has to be said, the unpre- back to that kind of unpredictability of having Fosu and Napa or Woodburn there is for a counter-attacking side, that could be really interesting and it will unsettle Sunderland, you hope. So if we, like you said, John, if the first, like after 25, 30 minutes, if we're still in it and nothing's really happened and the fans are getting on their backs to do something, that's when we can probably... You know, push on. So. Right, we'll, we'll, we'll crack is on. Mac, is Mackie fit? Just final quick thing. If he, if Mackie's fit, he's fit. Then I think, I think for this, he, this game, he's gonna have to, he's gonna have to have one for um us to get, to get him, to get anything out of it. I think. Yeah. Is it, is it worth Mackie starting a game with a bandage on his head, regardless of whether he's yes. got a head injury? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, right. Uh, just a quick one. I think uh, a lot of um, a lot of when you go to away games, fans want to know where to go, and like obviously the designated pubs, etc. So I think part of this this podcast will try and throw in some places to go for the next game. Um, so my my dad's a Sunderland fan. He had a season ticket for quite a long time. So I'll be going up with him to the game. We'll, we'll probably end up going for something to eat before the game. So I don't know whether I'll catch up with you guys. I probably will in the game. But I know uh, from when I've been to games with him in the past, the Colliery, the Colliery pub just over the road from the stadium light is, 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 a, is a good pub. It's predominantly a home fan pub, but away fans are, are pretty welcome. They generally have a marquee up when it's busy for busy games, which I'm, I'm guessing this one is. Um, it's got a slight feel of the Priory, actually. Rest in peace. Um, yeah. the Priory when it was open at the Kazam. Um, so that's that's a good place to go just for a couple of drinks before the game. It's literally over the road from the, the stadium. And then also, um, if you're driving in, there's a, a pub called The Avenue, about 10 minutes walk away um, from the stadium. Away fans are pretty welcome there. Um, it's not too far away from the, the metro as well, actually. Just to mention, if you're coming in, if you're staying over, making a weekend of it, the metro from Newcastle, the Metro Link, there's um, a couple of stations not far away from the stadium. So um, if you are planning on getting the metro in, you're probably better off getting on it off at the St. Peter's um, stop um, as it's the closer one to the away end. But obviously, if you're going to go and just go to the colliery, it doesn't really matter which one you go to. Um, I think the next one up is the stadium alight um, stop. So yeah, they're two decent places to go um fairly close to the ground but like the northeast i think ben will probably back me up here is a pretty friendly place especially when it comes to football so you, you probably welcome uh, most places yeah, definitely to be honest. And, and last season was a good example of that as well i mean we were in the, the colliery pub last season and and fans just wanted to come up and, and just talk about oxford and talk about sunderland and it was great atmosphere yeah it was great i really enjoyed it all right lads are we on to magical game or quiz Close we are. I'm excited for this. Oh, you just wait. <laughs> so, I think we want to have. I can't some... not. I, can't not each pod. <laughs> I think we want to have some kind of quiz or game for each pod, and we'll rotate oh. whose turn it is to come up with it. And you'll see why that's a necessity after this. But rather than making it all competitive and risking fallouts in episode one, I've, I've got a nice, relaxed. Uh, team game for you guys to start with. Uh, so today's game is all about shirts and specifically sponsors and brands. So chaps, try and work backwards from the present day and name sponsors and any associated shirt brands with said sponsor. So if this was a Man United quiz, you could say Sharp and then Umbro and Adidas, for example. So there are 13 sponsors to get and 20 brands to get, and there's absolutely no prize 
Uh, you get a point for each sponsor and a point for each brand matched with the correct sponsor. And I'm considering 25 out of the possible 33 as a pass. And then you'll get the yay music. And if you don't pass, then you'll get the sad music. And that's what you'll have to live with forever. So I'm going to introduce now the quiz music, which reminds me of kind of like a horror film when like people are walking through a sewer that we can modify this as time goes on. So guys, go for it. Do you understand what it is? Do you want me to clarify anything? Are we just are we going for it? Or are we getting a choice to answer? No, you're going for it. You just go for it. All right, um, I'll start then. Animal Artis and Nike. Nice. Singer and Puma. Oh, Lion. Li- oh no, Lion Trust and ah, oh, it's a really obscure kit manufacturer. Star, star, star. I'm, something. I'm literally wearing it so i'll tell you it's starter <laughs> no <laughs> that's nice. cheating in these games um there, you have to remember there's more um like i said earlier on with the example there's more brands per sponsor as well on some of them so by the way you've got Oof. four minutes and 20 seconds left oh uh, oh god build base nike correct well that's two points there's more in there Oh, um, we had oh. build base for many years. Yeah, Wang was. Uh... Oh, you got you going for the Wang already? Was it Umbro. <laughs> it was Umbro, oh. correct. I'll go. I'll just retire Strong. now. Oh, 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 build base TFG. TF, that is the good shout. I didn't remember TFG. Well done. There's another one in there that you know, and you've definitely got a shirt with it. Oh, uh, um, oh, the black, uh, black and black and round. Oh, that's strong. And oh, yes, nice. Oh, it was a niche brand. Oh, it was. Oh, I can never get it. It began with. What was what was Unipart? Should we just should we start blasting out sponsors and that might? Yeah. New Balance. Oh, oh, Avex. Avex, correct. Well done. Oh, good shout. Unipart. Unipart. New Balance. Yeah, that's one. Oof. Oh, Brindle and Nike. Brindle and Nike, correct. That was the only. It was only ever Nike with Brindle. Three seasons. I think. I think I'm done on sponsors. I can't think of any others. Oh, what? Bridal. Bridal. I've got one more. Who was the shirt? Nike. Ben's already. Ben's already got that. Oh, is he? No. Fuck you, Ben. Think of the uni. There's got to be. Think of the uni partners. Oh. Was that the first curse of the whole episode? And- <laughs> no, possibly. So well. no. We're, not, we're not cracking. We're not cracking <laughs> under the pressure of this quiz at all. It's fine. Ah, no, uh, scary music. Uni part, man yeah. of leisure. Ah, oh, very good. Don't tell Boom. me. What, as long as no one's got Ox Ow. kits up, then it's fine. <laughs> I'd like to thank Ox kits for helping me with building this quiz. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever ma- maintains that website is a hero. Um. Think about what what pizzas. Think about pizzas. Oh, Domino. Pizza? Domino. Well, I had no idea who the kit they was made by. They. It was the same one that was on another one. Uh, TFG. No. New Balance. New Balance, correct. Mm. I can't give it away here. There was another bill-based brand. Um, you are. That you know it was in, not you know not too far off. 
before we moved to Nike, who was it before that? Think of like a blue away shirt. I think I swear, Ben, you've got one of these shirts. I commented on it the other day. Oh no, no, twenty minutes. No, I'm what done. About, what about our promotion season from League One, from League Two? Sorry. I, I'm, I don't know. The sweat's pouring down me. It's like airplane. It's like airplane. <laughs> you have one minute left, guys. One minute left. No, I'm, uh, so, I'm, I'm spent. I think you're gonna have to call spent. it. Spent. We calling it? I can think of I can, I can think of some sponsors, but I'd never get the, the shirt. All right, all right. I'll stop there. Oh, jeez, that was too tense. The music. I don't like that. I don't like that. It's interesting it? that the music stopped, as I said, stop without me pressing stop. But who knows? Right. So, what did you get? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. You got 20, which means, guys. That's right. There's a cow in there. <laughs> Let's pretend it's an ox. So things that you could have got, that li the Lion Trust um, home shirt, if you pictured like roof in it, um, it was a home brand one. It was like brandless, which is kind of like a cheat. But if you remember, it didn't have a... Um, uh, you know, a brand on it, um, and then Carlotti was the other one with build base that uh, people would of get. It was. The other ones with Unipart were uh, just again the home brand OUFC that was just on the shirt. Uh, that's the one that I had with Les Robinson. Joey was wearing that, you know, in the '96 '97 season, and then it moved to New Balance after that, which he got. There was Match Winner was another one that was with another brand that was with Unipart, and then it got into like the Maxwell era where. Pergamon Press, which I actually learned a bit about through doing this because I was like, I didn't know much about Maxwell and his companies and that type of thing. But a lot of the sponsorships were based around that. And then we had Spal. Have you ever had a Spal item of spowl. clothing? A Spal garment? A Spal. They're an Italian, I've never they're an Italian heard of it. football team as well. <laughs> what, oh, about the, um, what about the one, the 125 years one, the Headington one, the Nike one? Does that count? I know it didn't have a sponsor, but... Uh, what, just the one-off thing? Yeah, that, that is Nike. That's a brand. Oh, do you know what? I didn't put that in. But it's Oof. too late, Andy. If you said it, if you'd have thrown that in midway through the game, oh. you know, I'd have given you 100 points. But you mic, mic drop. Yeah, avoid, avoid it. Another avoid one is the Adidas. Like, people always want that retro Adidas shirt from the early 80s. And that, if you said Adidas, you know, we've had an Adidas shirt before. Um. But yeah, did you enjoy that, guys? How'd you, how'd you know? I did. Very it. good. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think we should have some sort of uh, quiz or some something a regular feature every every time we do. Yeah, it. I really want to do that game. Um, it's what Max and Ari do on Talksport on Sundays, but they just get a random player's Wikipedia and talk about the the clubs they've been at, and obviously they will have had to have been at Oxford at one point. You just talk about appearances and goals, and people have to just guess who the person is. Well, we'll it's have to get um, Jack on for that, and he'll ruin it by being too good. He will. He will definitely ruin it. Um, right, we'll wrap up there, though, guys. So we're open to both constructive feedback and abuse from everyone. Um, people, If people want to get involved at any level, just throw us some ideas if there's anything you want us to talk about in upcoming episodes. That'd be great. Um, and then I realized that I still hadn't changed the outro, so it still sounds like something from Country File. So people are going to have to suffer and listen to that. But is there anything else, guys, before we wrap up? Is it worth reading no. the fact that this is just extremely long and they won't be like this in the future? 
Yeah, I think I like John's yeah. already said we're we're aiming for about forty five minutes for a normal episode. I think this one's probably always going to be a little bit longer. So yeah, rest assured, it won't be as long as this every time. Um, but I, like I said, as James just said, if you want to get involved, we are we are wanting to get like sort of guest people on. So if you're interested in in coming on, then give us a shout. All you'll need is like a microphone, a, a laptop, and a, a decent internet connection. So, and that goes for any uh, anybody as well. Um, I want to get Bino on. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's determined to do the, the joke Japan Yellow as well, right? We need to. Ah, uh, yeah. Katara. Yeah. Is it Katara? Yeah, we need to get him on. Absolutely. John, so, so if you're listening, guys, get in touch. John, John Marcus as well. Um. John Marcus. I'm not too fussed about him. I mean, uh, it would have been nice to, to sort of. I don't think he's kind of big enough to come on this podcast, to be honest. So. <laughs> Um, the only other thing I'll say is that I think we should get another episode out next week to chat about Sunderland, given that a few of us are going to be there. So we'll do that. Yeah, but definitely. Going forward, we're, it's being realistic that every couple of weeks is probably better. Yeah, better and we'll also have, I think, yeah. won't always be us four. We'll have other other guys on, on the pod as well, um, chipping in. Maybe some of the older guard. They won't like me calling them that, of course, but bringing some of the experiences from a bit yesteryears as well. So, um. You might hear a few different faces, um, a few different voices as we go forward. Right. Thanks everyone for listening, and see you soon.